Well, it was the NHL All-Star Weekend last weekend, Chris, and I'm going to come at you with a bit of a positive rant, especially when it comes to the skills competition that they held on the Friday. I love it when the league actually tries new stuff like this. The NHL gets a lot of criticism for a lot of good reasons. I criticize the league a lot, and there are many areas that are way more important than this one, where the league deserves a lot of criticism. But in terms of growing the game and getting new hockey fans involved and being open and accessible to people who don't follow hockey very closely, this is exactly what I want to see from the NHL. The skills competitions that they did where they incorporated the city of Las Vegas, they had the competition on the strip, they had the one on the Bellagio Fountain. That is what the NHL has to do going forward. They made it fun. They made it accessible. They made, they put on a big spectacle. That's what people are looking for these days, like a, a spectacle that they can turn into a GIF, and then that GIF goes viral, and a bunch of people want to check out the NHL. So this was a success, I think, for the NHL this weekend. The execution might not have been perfect. There could have been better ways they could have shot the uh, fountain game, and of course the players are absolutely, like, stone-faced, all the charisma of a dead fish. But in the end, uh, some of them are actually fun to watch, those hockey players. And this is how you make hockey culture a bit more fun. You get the players into things like this, and you make them excited for it. And you get kids who are watching at home think, I want to be in the NHL so I can go do that one day. That looks a lot of fun. And that's how we make the next generation of hockey players more fun and more marketable. So the NHL, you know what? They tried, and that is what I want to see from them. They tried. I'm going to give them credit for that. And speaking of all-stars and fun, here's another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. I thought for sure I was setting you up with execution wasn't perfect, but they tried. Hello and welcome to another stunning, exciting invigorating episode of high floor low ceiling welcome everyone uh welcome griffin how are you today i'm doing well chris i can't see how i wouldn't be considering who we're looking at in this zoom right now well don't yeah let's not bury the lead here let's just jump right into it i mean uh our my birthday week episode was a huge success thank you to everyone who checked that out uh excluding our guest of course who just asked both of us if we had seen the film Home Team, not knowing that we had gone very in-depth on it. But uh, speaking of home teams, he is wearing the hat of one of his home teams. Uh, we have a wonderful guest this week uh, to talk some football with us from Canadian Football Perspective and TSN. We are joined by Connor O'Neill. Connor, welcome to the show. Well, first off, I have to say sorry. <laughs> sorry right <laughs> off the top. He's just, he's a little behind. I, I'm behind on my podcast, too. Sure. Uh, um, and also, thank you. Very excited. Good to talk some Matthew Stafford a little bit. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. for those of our listeners who do not know Connor, Connor was a uh, football player here in the Canadian University scene. He's a football expert and a big Detroit Lions fan, uh, maybe the world's leading Matthew Stafford fan. So we knew that we, uh, if we're talking Stafford in the Super Bowl this, this week, Chris, which we were planning to do a lot of, considering that it is the Super Bowl this weekend, there was no one else we wanted on to talk Stafford than Connor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he is, he's our number one guy. He is, like I said, he's from the Canadian Football Perspective podcast, a wonderful, uh, some would call exhaustingly in-depth podcast. <laughs> 
Uh, but Connor, let's talk about your your Lions fandom. It's been, uh, I'm sure, a trying year for Lions fans. I've seen a few of your tweets that seem to be uh, seem to be some mixed emotions there. Uh, so just tell me how you're feeling about Matthew Stafford playing in the Super Bowl. Have you seen anything different from him this year, or are you, are you feeling like this is people just seeing what Matthew Stafford can do? Oh, I cried. I cried when he made that Super Bowl. When it, it, not even like, yeah, no, I, I, I full on cried. Like I was so happy for the guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of people are realizing. I don't know if realizing is the right word, but people are finally seeing that. Like, oh, Matthew Stafford's a good football player. He was just in Detroit, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> you, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally like, I'm a realistic Detroit Lions fan. I won't let those like want the that go and mixed i don't know what i'm trying to say here but like (laughs) i'm a pretty realistic lions fan in in the sense that like i know where they stand they're a bad football team matthew stafford was like the one bright spot i guess calvin johnson for those those years until they did him pretty dirty too but yeah i don't know i think i think a lot of people are just finally like realizing that matthew stafford is a good quarterback and like my top five quarterback argument doesn't seem so ridiculous anymore so i'm pretty happy about that yeah certainly putting up some some pretty impressive performances in the playoffs and of course now in the Super Bowl it's coming up this Sunday uh, so guys the reason that the, one of the reasons that we brought Connor in this week is because we're talking we want to do you know we talked about the uh, the Bengals and the Rams last week so we're gonna do something a little different we're gonna talk some Super Bowl props now I'm a big fan of these uh, an important part of any Super Bowl party Connor are you are you a connoisseur of the the Super Bowl prop bet I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. I, I think, like, to be a connoisseur, you actually have to be good at it, which I'm not. Um, but I do enjoy doing it very much. I like I like betting on the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, we will we will not stake any money here. I I've tweaked. Uh, so I, I do this. I tweak a little bit. I look I look at all the bets. I look at the various uh, lines and things. And so I've tried to make it so that you know, because obviously sometimes you'll have things like will there be a wardrobe malfunction during the halftime show and that's like a yes is like plus five thousand and a no is like (laughs) minus 3300 so that's maybe not as interesting so i've tried to make it so that there's a case for both sides uh but we'll we'll start with a big one and i'll come to you first griffin i'm and we'll we'll make a note of these and we'll come back and see who uh who wins the day here between the two of you and i'll be the arbiters i like to be uh, i like it but connor gonna... can try and win another guest spot on the podcast yeah he can become a full-time guest kyle brickman failed yeah <laughs> can connor uh, the 49ers connor let kyle down uh but we'll, we'll start with the big one the super bowl champion i mean it is it's a close line so i'll throw the spread in here as well uh the rams are currently favored by four and a half points so we'll, we'll say against the spread griffin who is your pick in this super bowl 56 i want to say i mean it's tough because the head says rams the rams are the better football team but that hasn't stopped the bengals at all and if you're giving me the points i think i'm gonna have to go with Bengals. that's that's uh a fascinating choice uh some faith <laughs> well just because as, we, we as had... we've said on this podcast multiple times chris a team of destiny maybe the cincinnati C- Bengals. certainly a team of destiny certainly a team that has found ways to win in difficult games and games that we probably should have been counted out of uh, but Connor, we'll turn to you. Uh, where do you stand? You know, as Griffin said, the point spread, it's not large, but it does make some difference. Uh, where do you stand on this line, uh, Rams minus four and a half? Uh, I like, I have to go with the Rams. Like, biases aside, my, my love for Matthew Stafford aside, when you look at the Rams roster top to bottom, even the guys that like aren't even necessarily full-time contributors on this roster are still large factors, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
And I mean, if I'm Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford and I look across from me and I'm in man coverage with Eli Apple, I'm laughing. I'm absolutely laughing my way to the end zone. <laughs> uh, can Apple. we put some respect on the name of former Ohio State Buckeye no, Eli Apple? No, 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 we can't. No, no, we cannot. <laughs> almost, almost Ohio State cornerbacks don't translate. Jeff uh, Denzel Ward? Atrocious Denzel reliance. Ward, anyone? Yeah, LSU is still DBU. Uh, Eli test. Apple, of course, has, <laughs> you know, been in the news lately, uh, maybe less so than previously in his career, but uh, but that's interesting. So so we'll we'll definitely divvy up some points there. Here's an interesting one: the combined over under for the game between both teams over forty eight and a half points. Now the games last week, I don't think either of them hit that over of forty eight and a half. Uh, but Connor, we'll come to you first. Do you think that this will be a a shootout where we we'll, we'll see both teams putting up? 25 plus or are you more conservative here i mean the last time we saw the rams in the super bowl and we thought it was going to be a shootout it was probably one of the like longest super bowls of all time good goodness <laughs> that game was boring <laughs> um these teams can score though um i think 48 and a half is is you're i don't know you're calling each team to score around 25 maybe a 28 to 25 game i guess that still seems like a lot i'm gonna say this one is like a shade under yeah uh i i you know thank Thank you for starters, because that's you praising my ability to uh, to set these lines. Uh, <laughs> did you adjust the Vegas over under on that one? <laughs> I, I did not. Some of, some of these I did attempt to uh, to put them in a proper context, but this one I, I took directly. Uh, but Griffin, what what are your thoughts on this game? And to to correct myself, uh, the game the Bengals Chiefs game did just barely hit this over. It was fifty one combined points. So. Does that, does that affect your thinking at all, Griffin? Uh, not really. I, I tend to try and put stuff on its own. Um, so I'm going over. I think that this will be a fun game. A lot of two amazing quarterbacks, obviously. A couple of amazing wide receivers. Uh, the Bengals' defense isn't really at the level of the Rams, which means I think the Bengals will be forced to throw a lot, and I think, obviously, they can do that. So I think this will be a bit of a shootout. Uh, and, yeah, I'm taking the over. Do you want to make, uh, just, just as a, as an add-on, do you want to make any predictions on the uh, the final score here? Do you have a, do you have a sense? Final score, I'm going to go 35-31 for the Bengals. Wow. Connor, any any thoughts on this? Uh, I'm gonna go 24-20 in favor of the Rams. Wow, so some it's a tight game either way. So we will. Uh, I, I think I think it will be. Well, it's interesting because I could see. I think if either team is going to run away with it, it would be the Rams. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's more I likely so, for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, certainly. You know, a lot of star power on that team. Uh, we'll we'll do a few quick hits here. So I just want your uh, your quick thoughts on a few of these. These are uh, sort of which will come first kind of questions. So the obviously the coin toss is a classic uh, Super Bowl prop bet, and I'm, I imagine that'll come into play with this question: Who will score the first points of the game? The Bengals or the Rams? Griffin, I'll come to you first. Bengals, quick hit offense. Give me the Bengals. <laughs> All right. And Connor, where do you stand on this one? You know what? I'm actually going to go Bengals on this one as well. I say the Bengals put up like an early field goal and take like a 3 nothing lead in this one. I, I think I think that does feel right, actually. You know, a lot of these are, are vibes-based, especially since uh, we don't know who will be uh, the first offense on the field. Uh, but this is, this is an interesting one just because you mentioned a field goal and field goal kicking, especially for the Bengals, has been a, uh, a big point of discussion. So which will come first, Connor, a punt or a field goal? Punt. First 
first drive of the game, there's going to be a punt. You are not sold on uh, on either of these teams coming out and hitting early, I see. No, not really. I, I don't know. I mean, these at least the Rams defense, I, I think, is going to be able to force a stop on the first series of the game. Yeah, real some real tone setters in that locker room. Uh, <laughs> Griffin, where do you stand? Are we Are we putting up three or are we going three and out? I might go punt as well, but I think there will be a touchdown before either one of these. I think the first drive of the game is going to be a touchdown, which is just like vibes. Like, obviously, we don't know which team will start. What? No, the Bengals, a quick hit offense. They'll get the ball first. They'll score seven points. I see. I see. Uh, well, uh, well, that's somewhat related. Jamar to... Chase, eighty-eight yards down the sideline. Wow. Against okay, Jalen so... Ramsey, okay. right past him. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's one thing I, I want to see. Do, do we think Jalen Ramsey is going to get shadow duty on Jamar Chase? Like you'd have to if you're McVay, right? I don't know because if you, if you shadow like I mean, Jamar Chase has to be taken away, but at the same time, like if Jamar Chase is the only player on the field making a difference and beating me, I'm kind of okay with it. Because Jalen Ramsey is so good, you can still leave him in the slot and play him on like T. Higgins. You can play him over Tyler Boyd, who's still huge. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know if like if they go and do a zero look. If I'd play him over top of Joe Mixon, I might let a linebacker do that. But like still, when you look at what Jalen Ramsey did in the AFC run with the Jags against against the Patriots. He was even playing over top of Gronk. Like this dude is just so good that he can play any defensive position on the field, and he's gonna cover your best player, whoever it might be in that game. So I think there will come a time where we see Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase, but I think whoever's hot to start the game for the Bengals is who you're gonna see Jalen Ramsey over top of. Mm. I like that, uh, Connor. What are your because just because uh, you know when Kyle Brickman was on talking uh, 49ers Rams, he had some things to say about Sean McVay. Uh, we had some things to say about Sean McVay with the uh, the challenges in the game against the 49ers as well. What are are you sold on Sean McVay? Are you a Sean McVay uh, acolyte? It seems like he's a very polarizing figure. There's games. It's funny. There's games where I'm like, okay, this is why everybody is so sold on Sean McVay. And then there's games where I'm like, I just can't see it. But I, I think in the long run, what Sean McVay does really well like more so than like the X's and O's and the schematics of the game is he just knows his players. He believes in his players. And I think that also holds a lot of weight because with the type of offense that he runs and with a guy like Matthew Stafford, like you need to have trust in those players because it's a downfield offense. You're taking a lot of home run shots. A lot of coaches would be frustrated with Matthew Stafford. He threw 17 interceptions this year, which was as many, I think the only, the most he's ever thrown is 19. 17, I think, ties his second most interceptions in a season. But he also tied his most touchdown passes in a season this year with 41. So with a guy like Matthew Stafford and the, the offense that they run, throwing the ball down the field like that, you live and die by those interceptions. And Sean McVay, he knows that. And he knows he he's so good at playing to the strengths of his players, which I think is his biggest asset. Not to mention that he's just ridiculously smart. Like he is a very, like his football IQ is off the charts. So I, I yeah. think that those two things pair together nicely. You, you see those, uh, he knows those Stafford season numbers off the top of his head. This is why we brought Connor <laughs> in. And that was amazing football analysis. On the other end, Chris, who is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, of course, it's Zach Taylor, Griffin. Were it you sounds like you just, me? I was trying to catch you slip in I, there. I well, I'll I'll give you a peek behind the curtain here because I was going to ask Connor uh, if you know if he were signing a coach, and we'll talk about Dan Campbell later perhaps. But if he were signing a coach to the Lions, whether he would want Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, and I did quickly have to be like, is it Kyle Shanahan or Brendan Shanahan that coaches the Forty ers Detroit great, um, Brendan Shanahan. But unfortunately, I was able to get that worked out, and I do know the coaches of some football teams. Uh, I don't know as much about uh, defensive backs as Connor, so he definitely uh, beats me in that regard. Uh, speaking of defense, 
I have another one more which will come first for you. A sack, obviously a big uh, talking point among a certain quarterback that will be playing in this game. Or, as Griffin alluded to, a touchdown. So, Connor, which, which do you think is coming first in this game? Oh, a sack. Joe Burrow is getting sacked early in this game. <laughs> that offensive line is like, oh my goodness. I, I don't want to be rude, but like, water through a pasta strainer, man. <laughs> so you're not sold on, uh, I think, was, wasn't it uh, last, or against the Chiefs, that he only took one sack, or he got he got he was out, or Patrick Mahomes took more sacks than him. You know, I believe yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, like where are the Chiefs at though. <laughs> yeah. That's strong, strong case. Yeah, I'm going with sack as well on this one, Chris. I think the first drive will have Burrow getting sacked, but still managing to score that touchdown. <laughs> so, so I believe where we're at is that Joe Burrow will get sacked, throw an 88-yard touchdown, and then kick a field goal to make it 3-0. Maybe it'll, it'll get Connor was back. the one who said 3-0, not me. <laughs> It'll but, be yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they'll call it back, and then it'll end at a field goal. So that's so make your bets on that first drive there. Uh, the first touchdown. Now it's going to be very hard, I imagine, to not pick one of the two big wide receivers here. So you know, I have a few options here. You can go off the board. You can maybe name a couple of players if you uh, are feeling someone other than Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase, but I think that's probably the uh, the, the two that we'll be, we'll be looking at here. So Griffin, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, or we'll, we'll even say just Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, or The Field. Who are you taking in terms of who will be scoring the first touchdown here? I think it's going to be Jamar Chase hitting a deep ball, <laughs> streaking into the end zone. Okay, you're, you're really coming through with a, a clear... A clear game plan. I, I'm putting the, a lot uh, of game, a lot of my chips on the early success of the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> passing offense. You don't want to hedge, uh, hedge your bets here at all, Chris? Are you new to high floor, low ceiling? <laughs> we true. do no not hedge. hedge. We don't hedge. We don't do hot takes. Uh, so I, I we go, live Connor. in that zone between hedging and hot take. <laughs> we really do in the worst way. Uh, Connor, I imagine you are you're going with one of these guys. Who do you have for the first touchdown scorer in this contest? I'm I'm actually going to go in a different direction. I think they're going to get Ooh. down into the, uh, let's call it the 25. I think you're going to be around the 25-yard line. And I think that you're going to see a Van Jefferson touchdown mm. early on in this one. I think, Love it. You, know, you, I mean, you know, Cooper Cup's going to be there. You know Odell's going to be there. But they're going to look for the guys that are not around. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's kind of underrated almost uh, the number of receiving options that the Rams do have, especially after losing Robert Woods for the year um you know Kendall Blanton also like I'm curious how much uh he'll be involved in the game plan because we saw him against the Chiefs come in for the injured Tyler Higby and put up uh some pretty good numbers so that'll be interesting as well uh would I would I a Ben Scournick anytime touchdown as well (laughs) missed on that deep shot missed on that deep shot We'll get the numbers for Ben Skowernick and uh I am taking the in. under on Ben Skowernick <laughs> touchdowns. Over hey. un, over under zero point five, you're taking the under? Yeah. Fingertips right. in the end zone just a game put, ago. Put it on the board. <laughs> we'll put it on well that'll be for an HFLC point. Uh we'll give you a free one there. Uh I think I imagine that you'll both be going the same direction here, but it is close from a betting odds perspective. The passing yards. Uh so currently Matthew Stafford is favored by around five and a half yards. Jeez, that uh, is Connor, close. I think you'll, I, I imagine, I know where you're going here, but who is going to be the most prolific passer 
in this uh, Super Bowl. I actually think that Joe Burrow might end up with more yards in this game. So you I think, think that? that uh, like, yeah, yeah, I would take I would take Joe Burrow with most passing yards in this one. Like he's going to be forced to get the ball out quick. I'm taking so Burrow as well. You're a believer in both of you in uh, in the Cam Akers run offense that they'll be able to manage the clock with him yeah the rams have a good running offense and i think mcveigh does like to run we saw him go to acres a lot over the course of the playoffs and like connor said burrow is going to be chucking that ball as soon as he receives the snap uh i'm I'll be interested to see how much of a sustained run game the Bengals can get going with that offensive line. So, yeah, I think Burrow's going to be throwing early and often. All right, so, and he'll uh, have that 88-yard bump early from his touchdown <laughs> yeah. to Jamar Chase. He'll come in early with a free free 88, so that'll be huge for him. Um, let's move a little down here to the, uh, to the offensive weapons. This is an interesting one because uh, this is one that I devised, and it could go... Either way, I think it's going to be like a blowout either way almost. Um, so we saw in the game, uh, uh, the NFC Championship game, Cooper Cup had about 50% of uh, of the Rams receiving yards. And so my question for you, I've handicapped it at 19 and a half yards. So it's the Rams receiving yards, Cooper Cup versus the field. Who is going to have more yardage here? So you get the 20-yard bump. Griffin, do you think that Cooper Cup is going to come out and be... Be that that 50% guy, or do you think it's going to be a more balanced attack here? No, I think the Rams will go for a balanced attack. Um, you've got Odell Beckham, who's been looking really good as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Tyler Higby, who's a good tight end. We already talked about Van Jefferson and whoever the guy Connor mentioned was. Um, <laughs> Bert Hersnickle or something like that. You said his name Nick was? Nick Bockwinkle. Can we get a name uh, check? Ben, ben Scournick. Ben Scourinick. I was pretty close. Uh, so I'm taking the field for, for the Rams. I Like, all due respect to Cooper Cup, but you know that's Bengals' priority number one. So I do think that sometimes in these big games, the star players have a bit of a tough time through no real, like, discredit to them. So I'm going with the, the field. Yeah, well, that wasn't the case in the... Uh in the NFC Championship game. So, Connor, are you are you in agreement with Griffin here, or do you what do you see here? No, I'm taking Cooper Cup. I'm taking Cooper Cup all day. When you look, I mean, like when you look at Cooper Cup when you watch his tape, he thrives in those downfield seam balls. Um, I think the Niners have a better defensive secondary than the Bengals do, and Cooper Cup torched them, absolutely torched them. Eli Apple Griffin does not scare me. <laughs> Don't care that he went to Ohio State. That's actually a knock against him in my books. Um, yeah, no, Cooper, Cooper Cup, I think uh, you'll see Cooper Cup have a day. Not to say that I don't think Odell is going to get some yards. Uh, I think I think Stafford's going to hit his over in passing yards quite easily. The Rams are going to throw the ball. But just by opportunity and the nature of what they designed for Cooper Cup, like it's not it's not unseemly for him to go like three receptions for 85 yards, right? Like he just gets downfield downfield opportunities yeah we we talked a lot last week about uh about cooper cup and his uh his excellence against the 49ers so i think uh i think that's definitely a possibility uh, let's move on to something not football related obviously this is a huge halftime show uh dr dre snoop dogg kendrick lamar eminem mary j blige i imagine both of you are uh, are feeling positive about this selection of artists i think it's a great slate. Uh, I want you to pick the first song that will be performed because the the odds-on favorite at the moment is that Dr. Dre will be the first person to uh, to take the stage of the group. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some options here. So you can either pick one of California Love, the next episode, or Still Dre. They've been using Still Dre a lot in the marketing. I will say with the piano. Uh, or you can pick two of Nothing But a G Thing, 
lose yourself, drop it like it's hot, humble, or family affair. So a lot of options, a lot of hits there. Uh, we may see some censorship uh, in the halftime show this year, but where are you guys looking for the the first song performed? I'll turn to you first, Connor. Oh, if it's not California Love, don't even come out of the tunnel. Wow, it's tough. So you just you're all you're all in here. I I think you have to be just by the nature of the song. The the game is in California, in LA, SoFi Stadium. If it's not California Love, don't leave the locker room. I don't want to see the <laughs> halftime show. Do you think that uh, Do you think that Dr. Dre prepares in the locker room? Like, where, where does he sit before? <laughs> the Bengals are trying to go in to take halftime, and he's just there, like getting ready. <laughs> yeah, uh, Griffin, where are you? Are you? Are you? Don't even go to the tunnel. Is a is a it's strong words. Are I mean, you, like in my you? mind's eye, I'm like you're seeing a stage with all the lights turned out. There's no movement, and you're going to hear so many of these sounds have such iconic openings that I think you're going to hear something before you see something. And what like is going to get the crowd most hyped up? That piano from Still DRE uh, is a great one. Is it Still Dre or Still DRE? Did I just expose myself? Not you. <laughs> All right, Chris. We're, not, we're, we're leaving that in. Yeah. Um, the 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 voice saying California from California, love that. But I think, like, I don't know, I'm... I, I'm going with the pick two, and I'm thinking of two things that would get the crowd hyped up, because I almost feel like maybe they want to save Dr. Dre, like he comes out last. Like he's the headliner, yeah. So, I mean, I can absolutely picture in my mind, I know he's not from California, but the blank screen, and you just hear that guitar from Lose Yourself start to come in. Mm in the monologue or even the beat from humble drop so i I feel like kendrick would be a good he's the only young artist out there he's the only one with like actual energy left in his bones i guess (laughs) poor dre and no it's no disrespect i'm just saying like he would be i think a good up-tempo high energy opening act so i think uh that that opening drop from Humble would be a good way to get the crowd going. So I'm going with pick two, and I'm going with they'll open with either Lose Yourself or Humble. If I may throw a dark horse. Yeah, please, Katy Perry. My name is. Ooh. Ooh. See, like, the, your your point about the the big opening moment is very a true. Good point. I, think that, I think that's true of a lot of these songs. Like, California Love, obviously, the, the great opening uh still dre with the piano but then even even drop it like it's hot when you have like the like that, that those weird drum sounds like the <laughs> is that my impression an oddly it? accurate impression <laughs> <That was very laughs> <good. Yeah. laughs> so i think there i think there are a lot of good options here uh this is a it's it's an interesting discussion for sure and we will uh revisit and tally the points here uh here's one for you will snoop dog smoke on stage and you know maybe maybe it'll be a cigarette maybe it'll be a pipe <laughs> maybe it'll be a cigar uh but i you have to imagine that it will be one of his trademark blunts if he would if he were to uh, make an appearance and obviously high floor low ceiling we don't condone drug use uh recreational cannabis of course legal in the province of ontario so you know that's fine in that department is it legal uh, in the state of california I believe it is because California knows how to party uh, <laughs> and everybody wants to visit for the women weed and weather is my understanding of the situation. Uh, but Griffin, where do you stand? Will we see Snoop Dogg, uh, as, as the kids say, light up a fatty on the Super I Bowl mean, stage? It's tough because Snoop has absolutely been lobbying for it for months and the NFL would never let it happen in a thousand years because this is the NFL we're talking about, the no fun league. So I do think, I mean... Snoop is a rebel. Hip-hop is a genre for rebels. 
but Snoop also knows how to make money. He knows how to not jeopardize his money. So I'm going with no. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point. Uh, I saw a YouTube video the other day that Snoop has a professional blunt roller who makes forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, of course, he famous <laughs> Connor is shocked. He's thinking about a career change. Um, you know, famously in his Reddit AMA, Snoop said he smokes eighty one blunts a day. Uh, so Connor, with that information in mind. Where do you stand? Will Snoop Dogg light up on the stage? Can he even afford to take 15 minutes not smoking? Then, like, That's a good question. Yeah, wow. 81 um, a day. Yeah, I'm going to say, um, to that point, to that specific point, I think, yes, he can take 15 minutes to not smoke because Pepsi is going to pay him 15 minutes to not smoke to do the Super Bowl halftime show. They're like, here's a bag. Please don't smoke weed for about 15 minutes and you're gold. Just wait till you get back to your green room. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. The NFL room. doesn't want that. Yeah, yeah, the green room. Uh, yeah, I don't think the NFL wants that look like on their TV cameras. And I, I definitely don't think Pepsi does either. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I, I imagine, I imagine they don't, but I also imagine that they wouldn't exactly be able to stop him. Like, I don't no. think that the feed would cut to black if he were to... Uh, no, if he sneaks one, it out, there's. I would imagine they put something in his contract that says if you do it, you'll get docked this much, and now it's in his court whether or not he wants to. I think that would, I think that would be a fair compromise. If I Were I Pepsi? Um, but we have one more here. This is the classic question. Uh, an interesting favorite this year. This is the Gatorade color that will be dumped upon the uh, the winning team's coach. The favorite, the betting favorite at the moment is orange. Uh, and so I will give you a few options here. So you can either pick orange. You can go with the favorite. You can go with a few different options. So I'm throwing out blue. I'm giving you uh, yellow or green, depending on your interpretation. And I'm going to give you water as well. So you can pick orange, you can pick blue or yellow or water, or you can go with the field, you know, red, purple, etc. So, Connor, where do you stand? And also, you know, give us your thoughts on your favorite Gatorade uh, color here. Oh, wow. That's a tough choice. Um, Favorite Gatorade color. Big, like, lemon-lime guy. Yellow was always always a staple. Um, Never go wrong with a good lemon-lime Gatorade. I think that might have to be my favorite. Uh, Gatorade color, though, for this one. I'm going to take the field because I'm going to throw in, like, a little curveball to this. I've had a deep, deep deep-seated conspiracy theory about the Gatorade color for a long time. This is a marketing (laughs) campaign for Gatorade, right? Like, all eyes are on that bucket when that Gatorade is coming down. Whatever, like, the newest flavor, whatever the newest thing for Gatorade is, is what color the Gatorade is going to be this year. So I think, like, within the next, like, two, three days, when you start seeing Gatorade campaigns, take a real hard look at what color (laughs) bottle people are carrying around. And I'd bet my money that's what color Gatorade you see this year. Like when it was that like new bio steel like pinky color, I believe Gatorade the Gatorade color that year was pink. So I don't know. Call me that, a nut, but I've never thought of that, but that makes a hundred percent sense to me. That Gatorade picks what color they want dumped. Oh, I would well, I mean, on the one hand you'd hope that the players would be able to uh to select for themselves, but I mean you know, I've had the Gatorade Zero uh, mixed berry flavor. I imagine the players are drinking uh, Gatorade Full. <laughs> I imagine they need the calories uh, playing the game. But but we will see on that. Uh, Connor, that is going to do it for our Super Bowl props. We appreciate you joining us. Wait, we will tally I want to pick my Gatorade color. Oh. oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. <laughs> Come on, I'm giving Connor a free Oh, Connor, Connor kind of like... <laughs> He, Connor he, kind of came through and owned you with that one, don't you Yeah, he, he changed the game entirely. But uh, for this one... I don't know. I, I picked the Bengals to win. As much as Gatorade mm-hmm. has their corporate interests, I think it would be a big underdog if 
the Bengals do not have orange Gatorade, so I'll go with orange. That's a great point, and that probably does contribute to the betting odds. What? But, uh, of course, the Bengals, they have two colors. What are the chances that uh, black Gatorade will come out? <laughs> it's, a, it's a swirl, and you can see the distinct stripes in the Gatorade. The liquid somehow did not mix. That's my prediction. Wow. Some, interest, so, like some interesting purple uh, Gatorade from the early 2000s where it actually looked black. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so some interesting chemical uh, engineering problems that the uh, the, pe- the good folks at Gator will be facing. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for joining us. Just before you go, because I did uh, I did want to get to it. Uh, we've talked several times on High Floor, Low Ceiling about Dan Campbell, uh, about his ability to seemingly get the Lions to play for him when they were uh, in, in a dark place in the middle of the season, I will say. So I'm curious, just what are, what are your thoughts on Dan Campbell? Are you pro him going forward? Uh, how do you, how do you feel about him? Oh, I'm all in, all in on Dan all Campbell, in. all the way in on Dan Campbell. Yeah, I mean Dan Dan Campbell's been there, right? Like we all saw the clip of Matthew Stafford earlier in the season, like saying like I know guys, it gets better, whatever. Like that I know was heartbreaking to watch. First off, <laughs> but I, like Dan Campbell, like speaking of like being like knowing the situation, Dan Campbell is a guy that knows the Detroit Lions situation. He played tight end for the Lions. He was part of that 0-16 team. Dan Campbell doesn't want to lose as much as all of the fans in the city of Detroit don't want to lose anymore. Like Dan Campbell, I think, is doing a lot of good things. I think he still is learning. He doesn't have like any real head coach experience outside of the interim the interim run and then last year, obviously. But I, I like Dan Campbell. I think players want to play for him he's a passionate guy i think the play calling and the coaching side of things is going to come but right now i think he's doing a good job and i think that there is a real belief in dan campbell around around lions fans yeah it does it does seem like there is uh plenty of belief both in the locker room and in the fan base um but connor thank you so much for joining us uh, we will let you know <laughs> whether you will be returning as a guest on a high floor low ceiling Uh, We appreciate your insight, of course. We're going to take a quick break and talk some NBA trade deadline right after this. And welcome back to High Floor, Low Ceiling. Thank you so, so much to Connor O'Neill for joining us. Uh, A real football mind. Uh, Check him out. Check out his uh, podcasts and videos and all of that at College Football Perspective, or Canadian Football Perspective, I should say. Uh, Fantastic stuff he's doing there. But Griffin... We we are forced to return once again to the National Basketball Association because uh, this trade deadline, it's, it's heating up in a big way. Hey guys, Griffin here in the editing room once again. Just wanted to let you know that we did record this before the big trade deadline news of James Harden being moved for Ben Simmons. Uh, so don't worry, we are aware of it. We did hear about it. Uh, and we're going to talk about it next week. So be sure to keep your eye on your feed for that next week i'm sure we will have a lot to say but for now just enjoy this yeah the sacramento kings are making us do this <laughs> well we'll get to your uh your roast of the sacramento kings uh we we've, we've had a few trades uh even as we were recording this another one came down the wire uh that kz okpala has been traded to the oklahoma city thunder and griffin i know you're a huge KZ fan, what do you think about this move? I mean, I think this is exactly where KZ has to go to blossom. <laughs> Oklahoma City is a young team with not a lot of expectations. KZ is a raw prospect, and I think this is where he's going to get the minutes he needs to really develop. And what position does he play? He is, of course, a wing. <laughs> uh, that's more or less, right? Uh, Everyone in the NBA is a wing. Perhaps. 
these days, <laughs> yeah, Chris. That exactly. was my secret. Uh, no, I've never wise. heard of Casey Akpala, but I'm happy for That's, him. Yes, all the best to him in Oklahoma City. Uh, but yes, as you alluded to, Griffin, the Sacramento Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans both made some big moves, uh, trying to put themselves into that playoff picture, gunning for the, or play-in picture, I should say. They're gunning not for the eighth seed, but for the tenth seed. Uh, the Kings acquiring Demontis Sabonis for the Pacers, uh, the Pelicans acquiring CJ McCollum for the Blazers. I think, like I said, it's pretty clear why they made these moves. They're trying to get into that play-in spot. They're trying to, you know, win more in the short term. Uh, so rather than looking at it from their side, we're going to look at the the flip side for Indiana and Portland. But before we do that, Griffin, you have been going off uh, at the Sacramento Kings on Twitter, and I just wanted to give you a quick chance to uh, to, to make your feelings known on high floor, low ceiling. Yeah, you, like you say, it's clear why the Kings made these moves. It's not clear why the Kings <laughs> made these moves. These moves are baffling. Why are you shipping out a really good young prospect in Tyrese Halliburton to acquire a, like, borderline Eastern Conference All-Star and DeMontis Sabonis. All credit to Sabonis. He's a good player. Like, this isn't about him. It's about the Kings somehow, for some reason, believing that they're in win-now mode when you're 13th place in the Western Conference and 16 games below 500. Like, what makes you think that this is the time to sacrifice young players for current good players? And then I just saw a report right before we started recording, Chris, that the Kings are trying to trade Harrison Barnes, but they're trying to trade him for not for future pieces, but for pieces that will help them win now. And, like, win what now? You've won two of your last ten games. <laughs> why is this... Why have you decided that this is your window? Like, is it De'Aaron Fox? Is that why they're trying to win? He's young, he, still. <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah, it's... It is... It's a strange situation. I didn't love the trades for either the Kings or the Pelicans, um, like you said, they're, they're, they are sacrificing a little bit of their their future in order to win now. Maybe the Pelicans a little less so. Um, but yeah, the, the Tyrese Halliburton thing, where, where do you stand on Tyrese Halliburton? And we'll get into, you know, the Pacers because they have now acquired him. Um, Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holliday going to Sacramento in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Uh, the Pacers, uh, by all accounts, are planning to keep Buddy Heald was signed for two more years uh but griffin where do you stand on tyrese halberd because i think that is the big sticking point for a lot of people that the the, the scuttlebutt was they have these three guards they have deer and fox they have tyrese halberd and they have the rookie davian mitchell and that you know they understand they can't keep all three guys and so they're gonna trade one and we thought that that was gonna be fox just because he, you know he's still young but he is a little older than them he may be We've seen his ceiling, and it's not as high as it might have looked in his rookie year. Um, but instead, it ends up being Halliburton, who, I, you know, for a lot of people felt like, and even NBA front offices is what we've uh, heard now, is that people thought he was the untouchable one. But what are your thoughts on, on Tyrese Halliburton, Griffin? I mean, yeah, he should have been the untouchable one. Just one more thing about the Kings, Chris. One of the players mm -hmm. you said they got back, Justin Holiday from the Pacers, mm. unvaccinated and a player who says he will not get vaccinated, which means he cannot play in Sacramento. Uh, only based on the fact that it's the Kings, I can only assume that they did not realize this when he was when he was included do you think they there's no way they knew that they were getting a guy who can't play in the city of sacramento right i don't 
<laughs> it is a tough question because like on the one hand um, i'm like how could they not know they are a professional nba basketball team but then you consider like if so then why i guess there's still the possibility that he could be rerouted or bought out or something else but it, it is a, a strange set of circumstances to be certain anyway you asked me about tyrese halliburton mm-hmm. i was much like what you said chris i thought he was the best of their three young guards uh, De'Aaron Fox, obviously the best player right now, but I thought that Halliburton had the highest ceiling, and I was shocked to see that they felt that they didn't want anything to do with him. As I saw people say on Twitter just a few years ago when Tyrese Halliburton was drafted, he wanted to be drafted by the Kings. He said, like, I know that the Kings haven't had the best record in the past, but I want to be here. I want to help turn this franchise around. I want to change the culture of the Sacramento Kings. And the Sacramento Kings said, absolutely not. We are happy the way we are. Thank you. Yeah, so like, baffling, I, I, baffling. I am a fan of Halliburton. I mean, he was fantastic in his rookie year. He's continued to be, to be a solid player. I think a lot of people were saying basically that, uh, you know, people were saying, oh, I didn't realize Tyrese Halliburton was suddenly a Hall of Famer because, because people were being so vocal uh, with their surprise about him being traded. Uh, but I think that the reason that people are particularly vocal is for the reason that you said, is that he was positive about the Sacramento Kings. He seemed to have a positive attitude throughout, despite, you know, going into a, a very difficult situation, uh, being on the Kings, and that he he did seem committed to sort of trying to change the culture there and trying to instill something new and trying to, you know, do something in that city. And now it feels like that <laughs> not only have they reverted to their old selves i had a tweet uh which i think you saw griffin talking about how sabonis you know he's in the the demarcus cousins of the chris weber mold the offensive minded big man who struggles in the big games um but not only have they you know taken on sort of a piece of their past but they're also sending away what looked like a piece of their future yeah i mean i hope it was nice hearing about demontis sabonis because i don't think i'm ever going to see him play another minute of NBA action based on the fact that he has been sent to the basketball purgatory. I mean, like, I know we talk about the Tampa Bay Rays as a prime candidate, but is there a team in all of sports that needs like a move and just a whole blow up restart start like from the, like, can someone buy the Kings and just like this entire thing needs to be wiped clean. Yeah, I think they would probably be at the top of the list. I mean, like, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves come up a lot, but, like, in terms of their roster uh, and, you know, where, how they're looking this season, they seem to be trending in a positive direction. So I think the Kings might have to take over uh, take over the mantle for the, the team that most needs to, like, be raised to the ground and then built up from the foundation again. Yeah, like, why did they do this? Why did they trade for DeMontis Sabonis? They're a game and a half better than the Thunder. Like, they're, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Well, I, like, there's no... It, it must just be, like, owner pressure saying, I want an all-star, give one to me now. Like, there's no other explanation, right, than someone who doesn't understand basketball saying, you're fired if you don't do what it takes to get me a win-now team. Yeah, it's it's certainly a win-now move. Uh, you know, even though they are... But they're they not are winning the, now! Even though they are the They're 20 and 36! <laughs> yes, but Griffin... As of right now, 22 and 32, which is what the uh, the Pelicans are at right now, that gets you into the playing game. And, you know, the so? Lakers are disastrous. I mean, what, what I'm saying is if that why, is, why do teams if someone has been <laughs> so desperate to make this 10 se- that that's not making the playoffs. That's not the same thing. It doesn't count. No, I, I agree. And even, even making the eighth seed, like, 
an eighth seed has won a playoff series like two times like it's not something that happens a lot uh and then the play-in obviously makes it even more difficult so i think it absolutely is a case of these people have been told that their jobs are on the line and that these are the this is the expectation from the front office and so they are making moves that will uh will hopefully maintain their jobs I know it's not the strongest draft year this year, but like, god damn, why would you not want to just try and settle in, move up a couple places in the lottery and get another? There's no, you could not come at me with anything that would justify these moves in my mind. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's an interesting situation. I shouldn't I even that, have to think that... about the Sacramento Kings this much. That is the deal with the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. Like they're it's maybe true. of the 100, what is it, 124 professional north american sports franchises in those big four leagues i would say they're literally the team ranked 124th in terms of how much i think about them and then the only time they force really? me think about the diamondbacks more i think about the anaheim ducks more about more than the like sacramento like just in terms of probably maybe the smallest market in professional sports haven't had a good player in years but like they're not bad enough to be known for being bad like the lions or the browns well, except I think now i Come on, I think you. Ha- I think you have to give them credit for being famously bad. Is you know, there a the more whole... irrelevant team, like in all professional sports? I can't well, think of one. The Orlando Magic, I think, are more. I irrelevant. think about the Even Magic though... had Aaron Gordon. They won a dunk contest. Like, Aaron Gordon, come on! They, but like they won a like. I'm just saying, like they pop up. Like yeah, he won a slam dunk contest. Every couple of years, they do something that keeps themselves a little relevant. Well, well the Kings drafted Marvin Bagley instead of Luka Doncic. You have to give them credit for that. <laughs> Yeah, that was like, they're they're determined to not do anything that will ever make anyone think about them. They don't want to make any money. They don't want to sell any jerseys. (laughs) When was the last time you saw someone wearing a Sacramento Kings jersey? Well, Griffin, that's why they... People sometimes wear the Shaq Magic jerseys. That's why they've acquired... uh, I have a Tracy McGrady Orlando jersey. Uh, But Griffin, that's why they've acquired an all-star in DeMontis Sabonis. They're going to sell some tickets. They're going to sell some jerseys. They're going (laughs) to... Getting the, bonus, the least recognizable NBA all-star <laughs> on the planet. Just a, a really solid 18 and 12 guy. That That's what the Kings were missing. Oh, yeah, we... we... <laughs> you are losing your grip. I'm, uh, I shouldn't... Like I said, I should not have to think... This is the deal with the Kings. I just let them exist and they don't bother me with their existence. And then they force themselves into their... Into my consciousness. Uh, yeah, well, if we do you remember that thing on Twitter a few years ago where it was like you show pictures on you like what job does this person do? Uh, I would like to hear the answers for what job does Demontis Bonus do? Because I imagine most people would not choose NBA All Star. No, he's a like a janitor. <laughs> wow, not even can't even you know get a finance job somewhere. He's got to be a janitor. Yeah. Uh, not that there's any the shame beard. In service it's work, the beard that makes janitor. Right. Well, you know, I think I think your your passion for the Kings has pivoted our plans here. It's a lack uh, of passion. <laughs> I think it's an intense lack of passion that Certainly. manifests itself as passion. Uh, so, so we'll we'll hone in on this trade because I I am curious to talk about it from the Pacers' point of view. Uh, you look at their cap sheet and they are in an interesting situation. Uh, you know, because they have. Well, they have TJ Warren on the expiring contract. I'm not sure we'll see him back. Um, but they have Malcolm Brogdon, who they just signed to the extension. They have Miles Turner, who is still signed. And by all accounts, you know, they were talking about being open to trading either of those guys. But it sounds like since trading Sabonis that they've sort of, you know, now said, okay, we're good. We can keep Turner. So they seem to have him in their future plan. Yield is signed for two more years on a, a declining contract, so he'll make less in two years than he's making this year. Uh, and, you know, then you have Tyrese Halliburton, you have Chris Duarte, 
and then probably you'll have a top eight pick next year probably i imagine they're gonna try and tank this year i'm not sure but so do you i'm curious how you see them do you think that the better move is to well this is kind of like a rebuild or reload situation honestly because are they better off hanging on to brogdon hanging on to turner and trying to make something of that core or do you think it's time to just burn it all to the ground i mean yeah like I'm big I'm a big fan of both Brogdon and Turner. I think they're both really good players, but it seems to me like DeMontis Sabonis was your best player. This is the start of a rebuild. You got a really good young prospect in uh Tyrese Halliburton. You've got Buddy Heald, a guy who you can probably trade again maybe in the offseason. So I think it seems like they're probably going to might trade Miles Turner, but they're probably going to play out the rest of the year with this core. Brogdon hasn't been healthy at all this season. Uh but yeah, they are much like the Kings, 13th in their own conference. This was just a classic win-now trade between two teams in 13th place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is the start of a rebuild in Indiana because they had, like, yeah, they. I think they asked themselves the question, is this core winning us a championship? The answer was obviously no, with all due respect, that those are talented players. And so they said, mm-hmm. all right, then what are we doing here? Yeah, and obviously uh, the, the Karis LeVert trade as well was a uh, was a factor for them, uh, getting rid of that contract. And so, yeah, they, it's interesting. I'm curious because you mentioned you like Brogdon I think he could fetch a huge return on the market because my my thinking is if I am one of these type of teams if I am a a Memphis Grizzlies a Cleveland Cavaliers a Dallas Mavericks a Denver Nuggets those kind of teams yeah I know it's it's a it's nice to think about I think about Denver as well I is really enticing to me if you are one of those teams don't you look at Malcolm Brogdon and be like that's our Drew Holiday that's our Drew Holiday going to the Bucks he didn't even have an amazing year, but he per- he gave them enough and he gave them that extra bump they needed to to become champions. And so if you're one of those teams who like is good but maybe needs one more piece, don't you look at him as the exact kind of guy that any team would want? Yeah, exactly. Like Malcolm Brogdon almost in some ways reminds me of Kyle Lowry. Just like he's not a mm-hmm. volume scorer. He doesn't need to take like 20 shots a game like a Luka Doncic or something, but he's perfect alongside that type of guy. He's a steady ball handler. He's a good passer. He's a good defender. And yeah, that Drew Holiday comparison you said was great as well, Chris. Like he's ex- the perfect complementary piece to a superstar perfect yeah i think he's an underrated scorer as well like he's averaged 18 points a game over his last four seasons like oh yeah he can certainly like handle scoring if the superstar that he's playing with needs a break but he just like he doesn't need that to be effective yeah exactly i think i think you nailed it like low usage and then also being able to to have that versatility he's got great size at the guard position and so i think that he brings a lot to a team like that so i think he would fetch a good return so but then also by the same token it's like well why wouldn't you want a player like that on your team although he is pushing 30 now because he yeah was exactly it's rookie. just a question of window yeah i think i think it is a timeline question and then also you know healed as well is you know obviously a player that the lakers were interested in over the offseason i think he is another guy who could fetch you a good return from a team who's looking for that shooting and that you know either a six man or an extra starter so you know there's a chance that they end up with like four or five first round picks and become the new thunder almost here right yeah i think that the pacers are one of those teams where they're starting a rebuild but it's nice because they've got a couple of really good pieces that they can use to get a great foundation in here like they're not starting from scratch they will be soon but they've got uh they've got enough leftover pieces here a couple of guys like 
Miles Turner, who is in the defensive player of the year conversation every year, and Malcolm Brogdon, who's almost like a borderline all-star, who can really get them a great package. I, I do not, or I do envy the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, and uh, see, are you familiar at all with Isaiah Jackson, Griffin? No, I am not. Uh, so he he's a rookie for the Pacers. He made his first start uh, on, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago against the Clippers in a win. Uh, he had 26 points and 10 rebounds uh, in, in his first career start. So I think he is a piece that, you know, you know maybe he doesn't end up being that player but i think that he is certainly a point of interest for them uh you know they have goga Batadze, they have tj mcconnell obviously he's more of a veteran now but he's under a very affordable contract so like i think you're right that they do they have all the pieces they need if they wanted to just dump it all and really go for the rebuild here which i, I think is probably the direction that they should go but i just question you know because they stuck with this core for so long maybe past their sell-by date kind of obviously of the nate bjorken year last year where they were out of the playoffs under 500 you think that they have it in them basically to to make that kind of full tear down yeah well that's the thing that we always say chris is that it's really easy for us sitting here to call for a full tear down but i think if you're a front office you need the support of ownership you need to say hey the best thing for this team is to be bad for a few years and trade our popular good players right now and if ownership believes in winning championships, then they'll say, yeah, that's great, but they have to worry about making a profit. So it's a lot easier for us to say this is the right move, and if I was playing 2K, I would trade everyone, but like, it is a lot tougher to pull off a full rebuild in real life. So who, Pacers might not. Might might try for more of a reload. Yeah, I think they, they do feel a bit like a reload team to me just because, you know, they hired Rick Carlisle this year. They seem to be, like, Kevin Pritchard, who's executive there, does seem to sort of be in a safe position. So we'll we'll see what shakes out with them. But uh, we, we won't be able to get to CJ McCollum today. Uh, we got to a different two-lettered person by breaking that KZ Okpala news. So <laughs> people will just have to be content with that. That'll scratch that itch. Yeah, exactly. I think we will come back uh, to the deadline, especially if there is uh, another big trade made between uh today when we're recording this on wednesday and the deadline tomorrow i don't really know what the blazers are doing either but it's not as egregious as the king no they it's an interesting move because i don't like cj mccall very much but they also didn't get very much back for him so that's another interesting one and (laughs) we just heard today as we were recording that they are not taking on Nikhil alexander walker they are rerouting him to the jazz just for salary they're taking joe ingles's contract on uh so they they're in a tough spot as well but but we don't have time for that we will revisit them another day or you can listen to our back catalog two weeks ago when we talked about whether portland needed a rebuild or a reload i think they are certainly deep into one of those at least yeah i don't think they listen to us well i don't think that they've decided yet exactly what they're gonna do uh, because they could go either way with uh, with McCollum and Powell out of the picture. Uh, we'll, we'll do one little thing here. Anthony Simons. He, we talked about him. We talked about the guard logjam there. Do you think that they hold on to him now? Uh, I think they want to, but they won't be able to, like we said a couple weeks ago. I still think that he's going to get some big offer as an RFA and is going to leave. Yeah, I think I think you may be right there because they do have some, some new contracts to give out. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. Thank you so much to Connor O'Neill for joining us. You can follow Connor at, and Griffin's going to go ahead and say the tweet, uh, the Twitter handle here. Of course, you can find Connor at at Connor R. O'Neill. A bit of a confusing Twitter handle there, Connor. You might want to... <laughs> shift that up but it is the 
his name Connor with an O-R, not an E-R, followed by the letter R. So we got two R's in a row and then O'Neill, O-N-E-I-L. So yes, Connor R. O'Neill, um, Connor O'Neill. Connor O'Neill. And of Connor. course, at... It's- cf perspective for all of his podcasts yeah some terrific stuff there some great canadian football stuff um do you think it's connor ron ale maybe uh we'll we'll get an answer from connor on that yeah you can follow us you can follow us on twitter at hflc podcast there's some great stuff that's been coming out there uh you can follow griffin oh and also of course on uh, tiktok and instagram as well it's all hflc podcast so whatever platform you favor Hit us up there. You can follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97. You can follow myself at Jan. That's Chow Sun Jan. Uh, until next time, uh, Griffin, we're, we're looking forward to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, Chris. I'm glad we did those par- or those uh, prop bets today. I'm the type of guy who every year I host a Super Bowl party. I got a parlay card ready for everyone, which just has 15 or so of those prop bets. I think it's a great way to get people who don't really love football into the game at the party. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And just to close out, Griffin, you going heads or tails? Tails never fails. We'll see you next time. Keep your floors high and your ceilings low.